This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Jeff Reed, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. Sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker, and with me today is a talented writer and the newest member of SteelerNation.com, Job Morrison. Job, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Oh, I, I couldn't do any better. Like I was telling you earlier, I'm, I'm excited because I just got an RV and it's something that I've wanted my entire life. So I'm going to be one of those old guys out there riding his RV around the country and checking stuff out. So kind of kind of psyched about that. <laughs> Good deal. I work with RVs in my job quite frequently, so they're definitely nice, nice little toys. That's for sure. Very cool. And where in Steeler Nation do you come from? Uh, I'm actually out in Carrollton, Georgia. We're about 45 minutes west of Atlanta. Nice. I've got friends in that area, but they're closer to downtown Atlanta. Obviously, they they wouldn't be the same. Kennesaw and friends in Kennesaw as well. But that's kind of northwest of you, or north of you. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. Well. And you used to work also for a different Steeler fan site, and we were lucky enough to poach you from them. So tell Steeler Nation a little bit, and Steeler, Steeler Nation probably knows uh, a little bit about your writing if, they, uh, if they've been reading you off the other site. Absolutely. Yeah. I was part of a steelcurtain.com, uh, part of the fan sided group. Yeah. I've spent the 2019 uh, preseason, regular season there, and then uh, – once the 2019 season concluded, I was there through 2020 offseason, and then um, things got hectic with the pandemic, so I had to kind of step away from writing a little bit, but I am back, and I'm uh, glad to be back writing, especially for uh, Stiller Nation. Well, we love having you back here writing, and there's one thing that I wanted to share with Steeler Nation. You started this series called uh, Underappreciated, and you wrote a fantastic article this week on Deshae Townsend, and I want you to tell Steeler Nation a little bit on what this article was about, how you came up with the idea initially, and then ultimately about specifically for Deshae Townsend. No, absolutely. So I think one of the most loosely uh, used terms as of recent is the word underappreciated. We all say, uh, you know, this food's underappreciated. You know, this movie's underappreciated. This athlete's underappreciated. And in reality, I think a lot of things that we consider underappreciated are what they are. They are just there kind of deal. So, but when I kind of started thinking about, I'm like, you know, who are some guys that You know, when I think Steelers history, Mm. their name doesn't get brought up enough, but if they weren't part of the teams, their contributions would be sorely missed. Yeah. And the first guy I thought about was Deshae Townsend. Um, He's a story that a lot of people can relate to. Um, Mm. You know, we all hear about these great stories of 
uh, you know, the Michael Orr type of stories that make Hollywood and stuff. Yeah. And while that they're very good stories, they're not ones that the everyday person can relate to. But yeah. Deshae Townsend, he's a guy who grew up in a small town. Mm. He uh, played at the University of Alabama. And he came to the Steelers and was really kind of uh, the underdog, if you will. And mm. he's put the work in and embodied what it meant to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. And his career was a fruitful one. Mm -hmm. And he really, uh, under the radar, built a name for himself. Now, of course, he played in the generations of the Champ Baileys. Uh, you know, he played with their um, eventually, I think, Darrell Rivas was getting towards the beginning of his career. So there were a lot of big names that overshadowed him. So you weren't really thinking to Shea Townsend when you thought who's the top defensive back, things of that nature. Yeah. It also didn't help that he played alongside, you know, Hall of Famer Troy Polamalu and <laughs> Pro Bowler Chris Hope and things like that. Yeah. But he was always a steady guy. Yeah. So it was always uh, – it was just someone I really thought about. I was like, without a few key plays – you know, the Steelers might not have got to uh, get to overtime with Tennessee in the uh, Nedney game, which we all remember for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And we also uh, don't know what happened in the 2008 Cowboys uh, oh, game. That was a big that pick game. six. Yep. I was at that you know, game. That was a that was one of the best games I ever attended. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I was in Birmingham watching my grandparents and my mom was like, uh, we're not staying here for overtime. It goes to overtime. And he picked it <laughs> off and ran it back to the house yeah. the yeah. next drive. It was great. Yep. And regulation. Yep. So, um, but you know, it's just crazy because without not only his leadership in those few plays without yeah. him in general, yeah. uh, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what would have happened uh, to future personnel decisions uh, and things like that. Cause he, he played a, some key, uh, roles and some key uh, moments throughout his career. Very nice. So I imagine you've got a couple others in mind as well, moving forward. Who do you think is going to be the next person you're going to kind of key into? Just, just, to, just to wet the whistle for uh, Steeler fans here, waiting for your next article. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm kind of trying, because I'm a younger Steeler fan. So of yeah. course I'm a little biased. And I'm going to think guys more recently. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to look at some guys back in the 80s and the 70s and uh, I'm truly trying to zero in on some guys in the 80s because uh, I mean there weren't Super Bowls back then for us and yeah. uh, you know that's that's kind of a period that folks don't really like to talk about since the uh, post-merger because wasn't a whole lot going on it's pretty bleh years yeah so uh, I'm trying to zero in on someone in there uh, I haven't really quite decided who I'm going to uh, look at next. Uh -huh. um, I'm kind of gathering a list. I would really like to look at some guys like uh, Aaron Smith, yes. as far as modern goes. Yeah, I think he was also another guy that was really underappreciated. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And we certainly saw it in 2007 and 2009 when he went out with those season-ending injuries. So, yeah. But guys like that, just people that they weren't flashy names, but mm -hmm. without them, uh, there, there's a very clear uh, distinction as to what kind of roster it could have been. Nice. And Kenny Beamer over on Facebook asks, are we thinking of a running back in the first round? I think 
all of Steeler Nation is kind of thinking of a running back in the first round. Obviously, we're going to have to see how this breaks, though. Um, Kenny and Job, I had the pleasure of being part of the Blue Wire overall podcast. They did a mock draft and they asked for our opinion on the Steeler side. And everybody slotted in like a real draft and they waited to see which expert we're going to pick what by the time I got around to pick and the way it slotted out for that draft. I mean, the top three corners were off the board. Top three tackles were off the board too early to take a center. It was a no brainer at that point because no running backs had been taken in that moment. So if that's the way the draft shakes out, it is a no brainer. And I personally, I mean, we we can talk about this now. Let's talk about this now, Steeler nation, uh, because we have a poll over here on our podcast page that we uh, that we put up and I, I want to know at least for the top three quarterbacks before we hit the poll job if you had to choose between Najee Harris Travis Etienne and Javante Williams who would your choice be well I'm a little biased because I'm an Auburn fan and uh, though he ran through Auburn like it, we were uh, like he was hot knife through butter <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to say Najee Harris because of how much of a physical freak he is. Yeah. You know, I certainly love the, uh, the athleticism of Travis Etienne mm-hmm. and, uh, but Najee Harris, I mean, there's something about watching him and it's, he's just a special back. I mean, I know yeah. there are concerns about his workload at Alabama because they are a run heavy team. Yeah. There are also some concerns about his pass blocking and his age and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, He's a guy that I really think if we want to get back to running the football uh, the way the Pittsburgh Steelers do, I think he's the guy. Um, He's a hard runner, very athletic as well. So it's not like he's just going to be a Jerome Bettis, just run through you. He can put some moves on you too. Yes. So got some wiggle. um, (laughs) Yes, definitely. That's that. That's who I would like to see if we go running back in the first round is Najee Harris. Well, Kenny also agrees with you over on Facebook. He's screaming Harris as well. Uh, Funny enough, when I put this up, um, I gave the options of Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, and no one. So Javante Williams got the least amount of votes at 3.9%. No one got second most votes at 6.5%. And this is out of 300 votes. Travis Etienne, who was the guy I ultimately picked, only got 9.7% in this voting bracket. So Steeler Nation has overwhelmingly selected Najee Harris. We're at 80%. So I I personally like the diversity of ETN's skill set. And I think it kind of, for me, I I think it can kind of mesh with the creativity of a Matt Canada offense. But if we end up drafting a Najee Harris, am I going to be upset that we didn't take ETN? I believe no. Oh, I, I'd be I'd be happy with whoever we took, but my personal choice is in the extensive minority, only at ten percent versus eighty percent of you at Steeler Nation here. Najee Harris is your overwhelming running back pick if that is the availability for us in the upcoming draft here at the end of the month, which we're getting which we're starting to to fumble toward here. So cheers, Steeler Nation. Thank you very much for joining us as part of that. The tallies and the polls over on our Twitter page, which is at underscore SN podcast. And as we too try to do one every week, it's, it's fun to talk about these every week. So cheers to you. I'm going to be cracking a beer. 
This time, hopefully a more manly beer for your liking there, Robert, giving me some guff. Uh, I'm doing uh, Adroit Theory again. This one's called Elegy. This one is a hazy IPA with a nice bloody guy there on the front. Nice. So <laughs> they, they have awesome album art and stuff. And then and they do some um, pairings in with, like they've got this whole series with, if you remember the cartoon G.I. Joe, yep. it's all Cobra based. So they've got like a beer for each of the Cobra enemies. And it's all like done up as, as like propaganda photos for like the Cobra commander and the emperor. And um, I had storm shadow, the one recently. So it's a lot of fun. And they have one for the Baroness and Destro and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's a fun way for them to do that. Every time you walk in their place, they're either playing uh, heavy metal or they're playing punk. So they, they love their harder music. They brew incredible beers and cheers to you, Adroit theory for yet another excellent accomplishment and cheers to you, Steeler nation for making us and giving us the fun that we get to have on the show all the time. So cheers. Cheers. And you're enjoying a nice Coca-Cola from Georgia yep. area. Yep. Mm -hmm. us, us Southerners, we are loyal to our Coca-Cola. That is for sure. <laughs> that is true. Anytime, Kenny, for the love. And thank you for the love as well. Steeler Nation, be sure to chime in. As you know, we are live, live, live. We love interacting. We love talking as we're going, but we also have some points that we get to, but we will always get to your questions. And um, next thing I wanted to talk to you about was Steelers did have a couple moves here this last week. Some smaller moves. Um, the the What happened the one day, I guess they went to two pro days and they signed linebacker Jarvis Miller from UMass. Um, and they also uh, signed the wide receiver Matthew Sexton from Eastern Michigan University. So have you heard anything about these guys specifically? And if not, I mean, I know I can have some things that I can talk about as well. well I know Sexton, um, he's just a... Uh, really quick and fast guy as well. I think he ran like a four three, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when he was working out at the pro day. Uh, I, I'll kind of describe him from what I understand. There was this guy back in uh, the mid 2000s. I'm trying to remember his name. He used to play for Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, he he was a slot receiver type of guy and also a returner. And his his name. That's not Jackson, was it? No, not not, not he's, Jackson. Because he's later two thousands. Okay, gotcha. I'm, if, I was if in I can the area then, <laughs> if, if I can think of the name, I'll I'll definitely come back to it. Okay, but he kind of reminds me of that kind of guy. Definitely a big return prospect. Um, yeah. you know, definitely some uh, competition for Ray Ray McLeod. Because let's face it, competition's very healthy. Yes, it is. Um, as far as Jarvis Miller, um, I haven't heard a whole lot about him. Uh, I just have mostly heard about this Sexton guy. Um, so it'll be definitely intriguing to see what they uh, do with him, uh, where uh, he'll get opportunity at, especially since we'll uh, hopefully have a preseason this season uh, versus last season. So, And that's the way, at least I didn't hear much from Miller as well, other than he's six foot two, two twenty five 225 inside linebacker. He racked up 60 tackles last season there at UMass um, after coming from Penn state and he transferred over from Penn state didn't, wasn't a full-timer over there, more of a special teams player, fill in player, but evidently is a guy that Steelers saw. He took he, he didn't play in 2020. He wasn't eligible for the draft. So Steelers are going, okay, we'll pick you up. We'll give you a contract, which is new this season. This is something right. that, I, and with, with the pandemic, it really offered 
uh, the Steelers a chance to kind of get a second look at these guys that they maybe had flyers out on them previously for those drafts, didn't pull the trigger, saw them, looked at them. They looks like they're performing better than they did when they initially had a flyer out for them. So that's a really interesting way to start picking up players. Now, the Matthew Sexton aspect, when I was looking him up, doesn't have a whole lot of statistics. Seems like a pretty solid guy. Seems like he's a, a possession receiver. I can see him fitting in at maybe the X or the slot. Um, but they said he ran a four, three The guy is blazing fast, uh, in the spring league. I think he had a kick return and a punt return touchdown. Uh, also blocked three kicks as a special team or the guy's a special teams demon. Wow. And you know how Steelers love their special teams guy. And <laughs> so, so like this is, and this whole transitional shift job to me, it's like, as opposed to sitting around and waiting for the draft to end and then going out and trying to grab unrestricted drafted free agents. It seems like this is the new way that the Steelers are like kind of grabbing players to make sure that they have their ducks in a row to be able to have good competition going through camp training camp, you know, who knows if we do mini camp in May here, but at least for training camp. And it's, it's interesting because they kind of did it last year when the XFL was still around and they yep. grabbed a bunch of XFL players, more XFL players than anybody else in the league. I think they grabbed like seven guys. Um, none of them ended up making the team. I think two were on our practice squad. I know the linemen were on our practice squad, um, but that was kind of like a new way because we knew the pandemic was hitting. They're like, well, dang it. We we're not going to be able to, to interview a lot of these guys to really flush out who the best UDFAs are going to be. So let's go ahead and grab some of these XFL guys that we have tape on. We know these guys are performing and, and we'll fill out our training camp roster that way. So kind of looks like they're, they're doing a little bit of the same this year can probably do it again next year. Cause of the, some people that take some year, the year off and maybe don't get signed, then maybe, Hey, they'll have to put out some more tape or do some extra things and, hopefully get noticed next year. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. You brought about the XFL. They also did the same thing with the AAF as well. Yeah. Um, I think it was named Cam, Cam Thomas or Trevor. It was, it was that guy who got, he got cut cause he got into fights in uh, downtown Pittsburgh bars and oh, gosh. was like making terroristic threats. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> that's a blast from the past, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But they, and were you talking about Jason Avant? For the, no, not for Jason Avant. No, okay, no, no. so we had Reggie Brown, Jason Avant, L.J. Smith uh, were the ones that Hank Basket. I know yeah, he's right. like more of a deep flag guy, and Greg Lewis. Yeah, so, so yeah, I was just trying to figure out who we're talking about. Kevin Curtis, Brian Westbrook. Sorry, I didn't mean to dethrow de- you, but yeah. No, no, you're good. I, I'm still trying to remember. To, I'm tr- still trying to figure out his name too. Yeah. Very fast guy on Madden as well. I remember that as a kid. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, so. and. Uh, and we have a question over here from YouTube. Nathan Hines is asking, do you see Vince Williams or Avery Williamson coming back? If it's between the two, I would probably say Avery Williams. Uh, Avery Williamson, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, reason why is, I mean, Vince is in his 30s. And, uh, you know, I, I would love for them to bring him back. He's one of my favorite Steelers. I mean, he's a guy who plays hard. But uh, Williamson's a little younger. Uh, I think only by a couple of years, but you know, uh, the league does value age very much. Mm. Um, and he's a guy that, I mean, let's be fair. He played for a bad jets team, uh, bad jets franchise in general. Mm. Uh, he came to Pittsburgh, uh, mid season and was kind of having to learn on the fly. Yeah. So, um, and, and he did well, he still ended up 
getting over a hundred tackles, splitting it between two teams, having to take games off for COVID and to get ramped up to the Steelers um, way that they play. So that's pretty amazing for an inside linebacker who wasn't necessarily a starter, got thrust into that role with Spillane going down after Bush went down and played well. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, he wasn't anything that was like, uh, we're going to sign him to a 17 million a year type of deal. Yeah. But I mean, he, he got the job done. Yeah. So, and he's still a free agent right now, uh, which I mean, I think a lot of that's testament to the salary cap drop because a lot of teams are uh, kind of holding their pockets till after the draft and they're going to use that as leverage. Uh, once, yeah. once the draft is over and more people get cut, a lot of these veterans are going to start taking what they can get. True. Because uh, if they take the year off, then, you know, they may not get another chance. So, uh, but. And, and my, my heart is with Marcus R and Kenny also over on Facebook again. And they hope Vinny, Vinny comes back. Vinny knows the D and, you know, my love of Vinny is just the fact that people always said he couldn't do it. You know, he couldn't be a starting inside linebacker. He became the best a gap blitzing inside linebacker we've ever had. Definitely. and was huge and at getting nearly multiple you know nine sacks close to double digit sacks which is insane for an a gap blitzer um also one thing that i really liked about the guy that everybody seemed to harp on him about was his pass defense was actually better than he was getting credit for for the most part a lot of Steeler fans didn't like him and the only way we could really find out that he was doing well was the pff ratings it showed that he was actually doing pretty well in the pass defense as well. I mean, obviously he is a killer in the run defense, absolute stonewall in the gaps, filling up gaps, knocking people on their butts um, and, and splitting holes and getting in the backfield, making plays. I mean, I, that, I really like that respect and I hope that he'd come back. My only problem with, with that whole situation, Job, is the Steelers didn't ask him to take a pay cut first. Yeah. And I honestly think that would have been something, a, a topic that could have been broached. Maybe it was broached. I mean, I, I may be just, you know, creating something that's not there. Maybe they did right. offer it to, to Williams. And he said, no, just release me. I, I want to get paid on the open market. Now he's sitting on that open market. He sees he's not getting paid. If, if the gears start turning and everybody starts yapping in his ear again, like they did to Tyson Alu-Alu, he may find his way back to Pittsburgh, albeit at a lower price tag, but at least right. if that's the way it happened, if he came back to Pittsburgh, it would be on his terms as opposed to taking a pay cut and feeling bad about having to play for a reduced amount. And now, you know, moving forward, which, you know, it, and, and who knows who's even going to be starting at that extra spot if he had Williams back there too, because Spillane was playing off the chain. I, I thought he's, earned his way into a starting spot and put him next to Reggie Bush. You're going to have two athletic linebackers making plays there in the middle for us next year. No, definitely. I would like to see Splane get a shot as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you make a good point about uh, Vince Williams. And I'm pretty sure uh, with, with the way the Steelers have operated before, I remember back in 2013 when they released James Harrison, yeah. they first asked him to take a pay cut, yeah. which of course he said, no, um, it ended up not working out for him because I think he got paid less to sign with the Bengals than he would have uh, made yes. by just taking a pay cut. Yeah. Um, I, I could be misremembering that, but, you know, it's been eight years. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm willing to bet that they went to multiple players. You know, I mean, they first and foremost probably went to Ben and then they made their way down. I'm pretty sure they uh, 
may have asked him. I mean, like you said, we don't know for sure. It's it's a possibility. Yeah. But just based off the way they've operated for, I'm sure they've asked players to take pay cuts this year. And mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of them said no. Yeah. So, um, which I mean, hey, if you're a, if you're a professional athlete, your your time uh, is limited in those respective leagues, especially the NFL. Yes. So maximize what you can uh, uh, income wise. And uh, if he said no, I mean, I don't blame him. He's played very well, like you said. And mm-hmm. uh, as far as the pass coverage goes, everyone wants to remember him covering AJ Green in 2018. And mm-hmm. sorry, not many linebackers can cover AJ Green. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's the Keith Butler special for you, though. <laughs> that is definitely right. Um, I've got a really interesting question here from Kelly Fontana over on YouTube. Uh, she wants us to ab- uh, elaborate on Harris's age, and then because at, at the end of his rookie contract, being a five year in the league, he will be twenty eight plus. So that is an interesting point to think about when taking a player, but. My argument for taking a running back is the way that the league is set now, you're only going to be using a running back for that first contract. And that is it. Yep. And at, at, at the worst, like having the fifth year option on a running back kind of locks them in for that extra year. And then if he's still okay, yeah, maybe you throw down that, that franchise tag, but yep. you're not going to be giving him a second main contract. Uh, I, I think that's done with the Steelers um, moving forward, especially when we're going to be paying a lot of these defensive guys are going to be getting close to a million dollar and million dollar contracts. TJ Watt might be the highest paid defensive player when he gets his new contract. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick's up for big money. Um, so, and then eventually when the Steelers get a quarterback, I mean, that's, that would be, I mean, four or five years down the road now when we're going to be throwing out quarterback money again until we got to get into the system or maybe hopefully find somebody in free agency. If we don't find somebody in the draft that can kind of step up and play to this defense that we're going to be uh, creating, then, you know, it's, you can't be spending money on the running back. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, one thing that has helped running backs, I think they kind of integrated in CBA because the players union, I'm sure recognize this is a, this is going to be the trend moving forward. Yeah. And, until the NFL cycles back to valuing running the football more, it's going to happen. Yeah. So with the fifth year option, they've now made it to where uh, when you pick up that fifth year option, it's not just a set amount where they were drafted at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now based off a of position and market value as well. Yes. So like, cause like, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is uh, fifth year option went up from 12 million to 24 million. Wow something like that, wow. which makes sense because yeah. uh, it's a quarterback. So, mm-hmm. and while that won't be as high for a running back, it mm-hmm. does help them. So if let's say we do draft Najee Harris mm-hmm. and we use that fifth year option. Yeah. Uh, yes. He, he ultimately, he still would be at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. but he still gets paid a little more than what he probably would in the open market. If we like yes. to keep him. So the fifth year, you're right. The fifth year option has been a good tool for both the team to retain the player, but for the player to start getting paid real money and value money for their position um, in that fifth year. And it, and it has been going up each year. That's, that's why I think uh, TJ's has to be close to 10 million. I think his fifth year option. So, I mean, yep. it's not like these guys are making nothing. This is they're They're making good money. I mean, obviously he's going to be close to a $20 million a year player. So depending on where we come in, 
toward closer to 25, closer to 20. We'll see. Right. But I, I think he's getting a million dollar contract and I think he deserves it um, with what he's shown as a Pittsburgh. Uh, one other addition that was made on April fool's day. It wasn't an April fool's joke to the Steelers, but it was to the Jacksonville Jaguars as Tyson Alualu signed his two-year contract after initially committing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thank you very much to COVID for one reason and one reason only not for all the people that have died, please don't take it the wrong way. I'm sorry. Don't, don't be flying and slamming me on social media now, but only because we have Tyson Alualu back again, because he had to wait for his COVID to clear through his system. He had a lot of teammates yapping in his ear. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. He did not leave. Signed it on, on uh, April 1st. I'm still waiting to see what the details are, but it, it's going to be less than what they were offering, which was the two year, $6 million. So still should be comparable to that. I don't think it would be that far under that maybe two year, 5 million at the lowest, but I, I think it's still comparable, but what a blessing to have him back when he was so good in the middle for us last year. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um, it's something to be said, though, about Jacksonville, because, I mean, let's be real. Uh, he could have went to Jacksonville, started where he went, kind of finished out in Jacksonville on a high note. Um, I know some people think that's corny, but mm-hmm. there are some people who value things like that. Um, it also could have been a much warmer weather. Let's just be real. Uh, <clears throat> December in Jacksonville is a lot nicer than December in Pittsburgh. I've been to both and I can confirm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, um, but I think one thing that stands out about this is money's not everything to every single player. Is it a huge decision-making factor? Absolutely. Hmm. But if you were to ask me, play for Pittsburgh for a million, million and a half less. Yeah. And yeah, they may not be seen as contenders, contenders, but they have a shot. Yeah. Go to Jacksonville for that extra million, million and a half. And, (laughs) you know, you're not going to have a chance to play. I don't care how good Trevor Lawrence is. (laughs) So you do make the playoffs. You're going to be a wild card. Probably. Mm. I think the decision is pretty easy to me from that standpoint. So um, plus, you know, just based off of some of the things that he'll, you know, post on Facebook and uh, mm-hmm. Instagram, he's very big on his family. Yeah. And he built his dream home there. His kids were in school there. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, it's hard to be a professional athlete because a lot of times if you have a long career, there's a good chance you can be on the move. And I think that, abil- that ability to uh, stay in one place and potentially contend plays a big factor in that aspect. Excellent point. Another thing I wanted to talk about with you quickly is the Steelers win total has been set by Vegas 17 games and they threw the Steelers right smack dab in the middle. Eight and a half is what Vegas say are the odds for the Steelers finishing the season. Uh, It'd be hilarious. It was eight, eight and one giving that eight and a half (laughs) right on the dot and a non-losing season to Tomlin again. But I digress. Do you (laughs) think the Steelers will be, above eight or less than eight wins on this year um people are going to probably say that i am uh, going to need to go about two and a half hours away from Carrollton to the insane asylum milledgeville <laughs> um i really think they're going to win more than 11 games nice. when i look at when i look at the schedule okay there are some games that i really don't think are are winnable mm-hmm. in green bay that's going to be tough yeah uh in buffalo mm-hmm. 
You know, that used to be a place we used to win all the time. Lately, it's been a little tough place to try yep. to get wins at. Yep. Uh, or against them in general, really. Um, oh, it would help if we didn't play them in December every year. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we haven't been really unleashing hell there. So no. maybe, maybe in October. <laughs> um, in Baltimore, always tough. Yeah. Um, and we're in Kansas City this year, I believe, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That is going to be very tough. So um, those right there are about how many? How many was that? Four, I think. Yeah. Off yep. the bat, that's four losses to me. Yeah. And you know, Cleveland. They're becoming a good team, but the mm. key thing is going to be, can Stefanski do it twice? Yeah. Because we've seen coaches such as Sean McVay, mm. they get really good those first couple of years and they cool off for a little bit. Yeah. But McVay's managed to bounce back kind of deal. Yeah. So that's going to be the key thing for me to see is, can he do it consistently and can he keep going? Because if he gets it consistently, I mean, they're going to have to go and just build a statue for him in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> so they're a good team. Uh, so. That could be a split right there. Um, I'm not afraid of Cincinnati. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've been afraid of them since 2009. Um, Seattle. And don't forget Seattle. That, yeah. Seattle's going to be a tough game. That's what Kenny's yeah. asking for, too. Yeah, Seattle. I That one could go either way because Seattle usually doesn't play well in Pittsburgh. And I know people are like, well, that's that's the pass. Well, yeah. You know, we've we've played against some pretty crappy teams in Oakland, and that place is our kryptonite. I just yeah. believe in curses. Like yeah. the Colts haven't – they've won one time since the merger in Pittsburgh. Wow. So <laughs> I just believe in curses like that. Um, <laughs> and sure, things work out sometimes, but yeah. Um, yeah, I really think the Seattle game could go either way. But a lot of these other games, they're very winnable. Yes. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I really think they can get – 11 12 wins uh they're going to be hard-earned wins that's for sure i personally think they're going to need a 100 healthy and committed ben roethlisberger and fixing this offensive line through this draft and maybe even a little bit of more free agency possible possible trade moves after the draft to get it to a place where i would be comfortable with it right now i'm not comfortable with the line especially at center we need an upgrade at center Um, i agree i just don't think bj finney is going to be the guy to be able to lock it in, even though I'm very happy with both guards with Dotson and, and, and DeCastro. Uh, I even, I even love banner. I mean, I think banner's yep. going to be playing out of his skull next year. Um, and you know, uh, core four was, wasn't horrible on the other side. I think he can at least lock it down. Yep. Um, but we'll see. We could even still improve that in the draft. Not a big thing, but center center has to be upgraded. Yeah. Um, it's actually funny uh, not to cut you off. No, no, no. Go pro, pro, pro foot. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Fall. Uh, talk I think I saw them say something BJ Finney said that uh, you know as far as the opportunity to start Tomlin said it's in his hands which I think is a good thing to say Um, but I definitely agree I think BJ Finney is a great great uh, backup I think he's a great guy that yes if you need to plug him into a heavy set great guy to multiple Uh, positions too on that line he's he can move around on the interior yeah if you need him for a couple games 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Great. Yeah. But if you need Agreed. them all season, well, I don't know. We'll have yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to have the two guards really helping him out in that respect right. and possibly whoever else is in the backfield to help out as Absolutely. well. Yeah. So the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. We've got a couple quick questions here, too, from Steeler Nation. Uh, ask Nathan wanted to ask, what do you think about a Joe Hayden extension? It depends. Are we talking a Pierce extension? Or are we talking a void year extension? Which Probably seems to be a, the... Yeah, th- this is odd with the void year extensions. This that's been a first for that I've ever seen for us doing that. And obviously it's because we're we got tons of space next year. Yeah. Um, but with Joe, I think an actual extension, and at least I like him as a player. I think you could probably push him to two or three more years for one final extension. Uh, but that's my personal opinion, though he'd be well into his mid thirties by that point. I think a one or two year extension. Okay. could be on the table if they do a one year they'll probably have voided years at the tail end um two year i mean it just depends on how he does this year i mean yeah uh there was a very very slight step back but i mean it comes with age mm-hmm. but he still has this right here and that's very yes. important yes, for any defender i mean if you remember that pick six against baltimore that was just pure <laughs> yes i see it on film Yep. I go and take it. He did the same thing against the Cardinals uh, in 2019. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's just a very smart football player. Yep. Um, he still still has some juice in him. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it'll be very curious to see how he does this year. I think if he stays at the same level he did in 2020, mm-hmm. um, once the season's over, they'll probably uh, approach him with a couple-year extension if he's still at that level. If he's not at that level, then they may give him a one-year with void years. Yeah, and do that one last time. I don't think they want to make that a habit. I don't either. I, I, honestly, I think it's just for this season because we were trying to find a way to get under a reduced cap that is sitting twenty-five million under what they were expecting the cap to be this year. Yep. So yeah, it's a, this is a rare thing. It's it's not going to be. I don't think they're going to make a habit out of the void years. So Cody Bickers also asks us on Twitter: Would you like to see the Steelers trade up in the draft if Fields or Lance are available? Um, based off of where I think they'll be, it would take uh, a Devin Bush type of trade yeah, and then some, yeah. uh, if you got to trade up all the way at 10, you're not going to get away with a one swap second round, third round. Uh, I, th- I think for Devin Bush, we did a one swap. We gave him, yeah, we gave him this, that same year, second round because we had uh, a compensatory third and a regular third pick. Yeah. And then the following year, we gave them uh, a third round pick. Yes. Uh, so it, it, you would probably have to add another second round to that, which to me takes, which I know everyone is eager to get Ben's successor. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. We all are. Yes. But if, if they hadn't signed Ben to this extension, if he had retired, then I'd be all for, okay, let's go ahead and go get our guy. But because that's not the that's not reality, mm-hmm. uh, if this is this is Ben's year, 
We yep. need to get guys that will help him win now. Yes. So. so so you need those draft picks for players as opposed to right. using them to move up to get somebody. And I'm with you too. Like if somebody drops the 20, you, you might think about it. You right. Know, you might think about moving up four spots, three spots. No, I agree. If, but, if Justin Fields somehow makes it to 20, then I am all on board yeah. for that. And but you know, if, if he drops the 10 and it looks like that team behind 10, that number 11 is going to take him. Yeah, I just went and pulled the trigger on that. Yeah. Uh, Kenny also asked, how are we feeling about Cam Sutton taking over this year? Uh, I feel very confident on Cam Sutton. Uh, to be honest, when he stepped in for, uh, well, let's, let's, let me rephrase that. When he stepped in for Cody Sensabaugh, mm-hmm. who stepped in for Joe Hayden in 2017, I thought he did a very admirable job. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being at that Baltimore game and he pretty much had that whole side taken care of. And it was already Burns getting picked on, but what's yeah. new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think he did a fantastic job. And to me, I, I really like Steven Nelson. I thought he was a great signing. He did well for us. Yes. I wish they would have, uh, we could have saw a little more Cam Sutton before we made that signing. Um, but things transpired the way they did, but, from what we've seen the past couple seasons, I mean, he's a very versatile piece mm-hmm. and he uh, is very good man-to-man coverage. Yes. I thought he was a great pick coming out of uh, Tennessee. Cause he, mm-hmm. I mean, he played against some pretty tough receivers in the SEC. Yes, he did. So, yes, he did. Um, I'm very confident in Cam Sutton. He's a good, humble guy. Uh, and he's someone who is going to work his tail off and he doesn't back down from a challenge. I can tell you that. The only thing that hurt me about that whole Cam Sutton situation was the Steelers went, okay, we're going to keep either Hilton or Sutton to play the slot. We're, they went with Sutton, which is fine. I mean, he's definitely the more diverse player. I like Hilton's splash play more. But then with Nelson leaving, they're like, well, I guess we're going to put him on the edge. But now they don't have that player in the slot now. Like right. to me, like they need somebody in that slot. So I don't know if they're going to try to still push with Pierre or lane on the outside and, um, and, and put Sutton in the slot or rotate them in and out, depending on down and distance and what's going on and what the matchups they need to make in the middle of the field. If they need Sutton to cover those tight ends or something, but, and you also don't know if they're going to have in some of those sets, Marcus Allen playing inside linebacker or money backer or Brooks, yep. Uh, that we drafted from, um, uh, yeah, Antoine Brooks that we drafted from Maryland uh, previous year. So those are the types of players that you, the chess pieces that you're going to have to start seeing the Steelers make to keep guys on the field that can still tackle, but can also can defend on the field. And that's going to be interesting to see moving forward. But, you know, who, who am I to know how it's actually going to play out until we start getting and hearing some feedback with how the personnel shifts are, are going to work out here in training camp. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's also possible that, like we said, uh, with the way the cap is this year and the fact that teams are inevitably going to use the leverage against players to get them to take cheap deals for this year. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they picked up someone. Uh, who's that guy? He's played for Falcons, New York Jets. Uh, Brian Poole, I think it is. Okay. He was, he was a decent little uh, slot corner. I mean, yes. that's one option. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if in the later rounds, uh, the draft, they went after someone who's a, a slot corner, uh, yes. kind of go ahead and start establishing that depth. Mm-hmm. One thing that's going to be curious to see is, uh, like you said, what they do with that as far as rotating goes, because 
if they have confidence in Justin Lane or James Pierre, yeah. I almost kind of say Sutton's the base, but he flexes in. They did the same thing with William Gay uh, yeah. for a few years there. So. Yes. Yes. Good call. Good point. Good point. Um, last person I want to talk about is the guy that vacated that spot, and that's Steven Nelson, and he is crazy. He is going nuts all over social media, starting now to talk to and give suggestions, I guess, to Devin Bush. Um, tell Steeler Nation at least your reactions on what's going on with Steven Nelson and how it's affecting you as a fan. Um, to be an athlete, you have to have an ego. You kind of have to have some kind of arrogance behind it, too, because let's face it, you're among the uh, flex elite athletes to play the uh, game at the highest level. Yeah. But when things transpired the way they did for him, or at least allegedly Mm -hmm. uh, where he didn't want to compete with Cam Sutton for that outside spot. um, I think Dale Lally reported that Mm -hmm. it, it, it can mess with your ego a little bit. And yeah, you know, I think the Devin Bush thing was more or less kind of him being a little, having some fun with them, just mm-hmm. cutting around. Some of the stuff that he said was kind of things that I'll say with my buddies yeah. when we're joking around and messing around. The only thing that kind of made me go, okay, was uh, when he was like, when you, uh, when you look good or when you are nice or something like that, you get paid, you can play wherever you want. That kind of made me went, well, you're still unsigned, man. So still. I don't know what you mean, but <laughs> uh and he's kind of, he's had some snapbacks on some fans that are like, hey, where are you going to sign? When are you going to sign? He goes, I don't know I'll, when I feel like it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> to me, at that point, it kind of pointed to, well, he's a little frustrated because the market's not playing out the, market's the not way there, he thought he would. And they're not paying the money that he thought they were going to take. I, like the cornerbacks seem to be getting the hit that the wide receivers did in free agency. We're just, we're tight against the cap. Cap dropped right. significantly some of these positions are going to take a hit and it looks like cornerback. It looks like wide receiver are the big ones. And unfortunately for Nelson, now you're at the spot of free agency where we are now, where every single team is like, well, screw it. We're not going to pay all this money on this debt right now. We'll see how the draft right. shakes out. And then right. we'll start talking about signing these guys. So I, I think a lot of these guys that we've just been discussing today, just, um, you know, talking about Williamson and Williams and, and, and Nelson, these, these guys may be sitting through the draft before they figure out, you know, how the draft shakes out and then which kind of team starts making them offers, which is not going to be nearly what they were expecting at the start of free agency. And Absolutely. unfortunately they, they will start then signing onto teams that need depth and need help for less than what they feel their market value would be. So it, it'll be like, that's the one thing I want to watch with Nelson. If he signs for a team, for a year, less than eight million, he lost. He yeah, lost. I agree. Completely lost. So. Yeah, it would it would have been easier for him just to stay on the team and either take a pay cut or sign an extension that had void years on it. You know. Yeah. Uh, hoorah, hoorah. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's just a tough year for free agents, and I mean there are guys like uh, I don't even know if they're going to get signed at all. Is like James Conner. Yeah, um, that's I'm crazy. Really, and he's yeah. a good he's a good player. I agree. It's just a tough year. Um, Villanueva, um, another one still yeah. not signed. And people were, at least on um, Spotrack, was was yeah. listing him as a $16 million, million. Yeah. a year guy. And I'm like, uh, no. Maybe <laughs> He's, not, not this year. <laughs> not, yeah. Five years ago, yeah. Yeah, if it was him five years ago now, yes. But yeah, yeah th- there's a reason why nobody's paying him close to that. 
And while the Steelers are still in, I guess, in some communication with them. So, yeah. you know, we're still waiting for the other shoe to drop with the, uh, with where Villanueva is going to ultimately end up. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's just a tough year. And uh, though I do, I do respect uh, Steve Nelson a lot. Um, he got a guy, he was, he came out of Kansas city and was getting flacked on by chiefs fans because their defense uh, was just, uh, I, I don't know. They're, they're horrible. Yeah. Um, so of course he, he got the ball thrown his way a lot and he, he made plays though. And I think chiefs fans forget that. And also some Steeler fans are a little upset with the way he, he's acting. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he's made plays for us and he was a very, very solid guy. Probably one of yes, the best free agent yeah. signings in recent memory. Agreed. Agreed fully. Um, so now we're going to get to the point where we're going to uh, steal our nation. Please keep chiming in on Facebook, on Twitter, um on youtube that's the other one yep. geez and um we're going to be taking questions here from steeler nation after this next topic and a ton of them so uh first thing I, last thing at least i want to talk about you before we get to the questions job is what are your top positions of need i mean obviously we know linemen we talk about tackle and center we talked about running back um how would you slot it after those first big three then moving moving down the chain yep so uh, like you said, offensive line, big need. Uh, running back, obviously, is a big need. A couple of needs that I would like to see addressed, just for the sake that we need to go ahead and get some depth. We need to uh, just go ahead and also start thinking about the future. Uh, first, defensive back. Because um, like we said earlier, with the uh, they do have options to be flexible with the nickel set, the dime set, and whatnot. But it'd be really nice for them to go ahead and, in case this is Joe Hayden's last year, see it. Hang tight one second. <laughs> no worries. Hold on one second. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, if I'm going to go across and list my needs after those big three, number one is still corner because you got to figure out who's going to be slotting in for that slot position slash outside position. Uh, cause Sutton's got to play one. Somebody has got to play the other. Somebody has got to be drafted for that. Then tight end. I mean, we do not have a blocking tight end on this team. Um, uh, maybe Kevin Rader that's still in the practice squad. Um, I, I don't know if, oh gosh, what's the, what's a tight end Richard, uh, who's the, the current, t- the, the current third tight end. Who's now the second tight end that we, that we had that was young. That, uh, Gentry. Gentry. Yes. Thank yep. you. Yeah, so I, I don't know how Gentry is going to slot in. I'm, I'm disappointed we don't have Christian uh, Scott Christian Williamson anymore. Yeah, that guy just was an athletic freak. If he kind of hung on for that extra year, he might actually made his way onto this roster. Um, uh, but you know, from where we're looking at now, it, it's there's nobody. Like it, that's a that's a thin thin like razor thin position. Like tight end definitely has to be a draft uh, addressed. And I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't addressed in the first two rounds. Like if Pitts fell, yeah, you take Pitts in that one slot and you run with you run to the podium. Definitely, like, I take Pitts over any of the running backs. I take Pitts over any of the linemen if he dropped to twenty-four. Um, Fairmuth, I'd also have to consider in round two. Uh, so if we grab a running back in round one, or if we grab a lineman in round two, where you think we might grab grab that running back and or lineman around? Or sorry, in round one, if you grab a running back or a lineman in round one. You're expecting to grab the other in round two, but if, if Fairmuth is there from Penn State, you, you take I run to the podium for him. So Absolutely. I mean it's a position of need. He's a more of a, a well-rounded um tight end. He's a better blocker, and he can probably be like one of those 
Heath Miller type players for us. I mean, that's, that's the way I see him as that kind of player. And that's, that's somebody that Ben hasn't had since Heath left. And they've always Definitely. been trying to bring in that other tight end, Yeah, but you know, you still need some safety depth. Cause now uh, Davis, Sean Davis is signed and yep. he's not coming back. And that guy was a, he could plug and play at either safety spot. Yep. And, and he was a huge playmaker for us on special teams. So we lost a lot there and I can see us picking up another safety. Hopefully, um, like we were talking about earlier, Antoine Brooks is working his way up through the system and is showing he, he was an absolute playmaker at Maryland. I live in Maryland. I'm very close to the University of Maryland. We do events down there. We do events at the ball games. And man, was that guy, you, you knew he was on the field when he played. Uh, he's one of those kind of guys that just attacks the line of scrimmage very you know, knows for the football, knows for the play, knows where it's coming, knows how to get off of blocks and just bashes people, makes big pops on the field. So I hope he can translate his game to the pro game uh, because he's a great guy. He was, he was a high school quarterback. I interviewed him talking to him about that too. He was, you know, and he played locally, not far from the university of Maryland, but ended up playing and converting over to safety over there, but he's just an all around awesome athlete. So I'd love to see him succeed and, and hopefully fill in some of that safety depth that I'm so worried about. And then the other two for me would be inside linebacker and outside linebacker. Uh, we talked here a little bit earlier in the show, possibly getting some veterans back, which would be great for the inside linebacker depth outside linebacker. You lost both Bud Dupree and, and Ola. Ola Idani yeah. to Tennessee. So they picked up two of our outside linebackers. Right. Evidently that, well, they, they always have a great defense. So it's a, it's a nice compliment to our team. If they're grabbing two of our outside linebackers in a free agent year, oh, definitely. But, but they, uh, that is a big need. And, and I like Highsmith. Highsmith is not Bud Dupree yet, but I, I think at least from watching Highsmith last year, his floor was higher than Bud Dupree's floor. But the problem is Bud Dupree's ceiling. I don't even think he's hit it yet. I think no, that guy all. is a freak um, and Highsmith does not have that kind of ceiling, but I'd like for him to be a productive eight to 10 sack a year guy. That would, I think that would be just enough that we need on our team to be productive and hopefully learn that, that smash and hammer coming around the corner from that backside, like TJ Watt loves to do and forcing those fumbles. And hopefully, absolutely. Hopefully we can get that off of both sides. He, he gives me Clark Hagan's type of vibes. Yeah, that, I, I think that's game. a perfect analogy there, Joe. Yeah. It's a really solid guy. And I mean, yep. Clark Hagan's at his best. I mean, he and Joey Porter, they were a tandem. Yes, they even, were. even he and James Harrison <laughs> that yes. one year, yep. they were a tandem. Yes. Yeah, he's just a really, yeah, like you said, just a solid guy. Um, and yeah, I don't think Bud's hit his ceiling either. Uh, I think he was, I, I think if he didn't tear his ACL and played the rest of the year, mm-hmm. he would have been. Uh, maybe right there, hip and hip with TJ as far as sacks go. Yeah. Nice. And Cody, I'm with you too. I mean, Cody uh, Bickers over here on Twitter saying, I'd like to see some Connor tight end and edge depth. Um, and, and Kenny, I'm with you too. Obviously it does hurt. The bud is gone. It hurts us all. It's dealer nation. Yep. I, I mean, bud and Watt were just starting to get really special. And if bud didn't get hurt and Bush didn't get hurt, this, this team had a good shot to make a deep run in the a much deeper run than they made in the playoffs this year. No, so, I agree. So yeah, I think ne- that Bush one hurt, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it did. Uh, so now we're at the point of the podcast where we start taking questions from Steeler nation, go on over to SteelerNation.com in the forums. It's free to sign up. We talk about football all the time. We have a blast. And I set up a thread every week to talk about questions and ask us directly. If you don't go over there, obviously Twitter, Facebook, 
uh, YouTube. You guys can keep asking questions as I'm asking the forum questions now, and we'll get back to you here at the end of this segment. But the first question from Slash Steel, Job, huh? Are you aware of the religious significance of your name? A man's will was tested. So a small test. How did you become a Steeler fan and what brought you about your Steeler passion for writing? Oh, absolutely. It's funny. Um, my parents, they wanted to name me a unique name that yeah. no one else uh, would name their kid. And I think Joe fit the bill pretty well. Um, they spelled it with a knee at the end, though. So, of course, I get called everything but Job. Usually. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get like calls from telemarketers and stuff. And they're like, can I speak to Joby? <laughs> like, he doesn't li- that, that's great because I, it's like <laughs> no that person does not exist click <laughs> right yeah i i just respond to it but yeah uh, i think i became a steeler fan officially uh when i was about five years old um my my family my dad's side of family they're from western pennsylvania mm-hmm. um my great-grandfather worked uh in the uh, factory industry and so did my grandfather as well uh, they're primarily from Erie, Pennsylvania. They oh, found nice. their way down to Georgia after some factories shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I became a Steeler fan because I watched my dad play Tecmo Super Bowl, and he always used the Steelers. And it just became a thing. I started playing Tecmo Super Bowl. I like the Steelers because my dad likes the Steelers. And then yeah. I eventually kind of started to learn about the Steelers and learn about my family history and learn about – Pittsburgh's history and I, I kind of became to identify with it because one thing I take pride in and everything I do is I work very hard and yeah. I think that yes is the uh the staple of the Steel City is it's a blue collar town they put in the work and then they put in some more work that's just mm-hmm. kind of how I am so that's how I became a Steeler fan and I really became big in the football when Big Ben got drafted I was about 10 years mm-hmm. old when that happened and uh since then i just i don't know it it became it became more than a passion became a lifestyle at that point (laughs) i hear you and damn you damn you damn you slash steel for this question (laughs) because this will be directed to job (laughs) should coke dye his hair black to coordinate with his beard (laughs) and the coke Uh, should striker dye his hair black to no, I got you. I post this uh, on the board. <laughs> no, I got you. Um, you know, everyone wants to say when, when we get older, I'm starting to get some silver hairs in my beard and my sides as well. Nah, man, just uh, be the silver fox. Let it let let the uh, it's not it's not oldness in the beard when you get the white hairs. It's hairs of wisdom that you've gained. And I don't, I don't feel old when I have gray in my hair. If I have right. gray in my hair, it meant that hair decided to stay, just decided yep. to change a color. But he decided to put in the work, and I've been here long enough. I'm going to stick this out, Striker. So, but for some reason, when I do it with my beard, my my, I just, I don't feel that I look old with gray in my hair. I feel that I look old right. with gray in my beard. So that's why I just dye the beard and not the hair. So, I gotcha. So there you go, Slash. And uh, I'm going to get destroyed today. This is just everybody picking on me today. So it's great. Um, <laughs> but Cooley Man asks us if best player available at the Steelers' first pick is close between offensive tackle and running back, who do you take, Job? That's good. Uh, it would depend who the offensive tackle is and who the running back is. If Najee Harris is gone, if Travis Etienne is gone, it's mm-hmm. obvious 
offensive tackle. Yeah. It's Najee Harris and say like an Alex Leather. Uh, I think it's Leatherwood. Leatherwood? Is his name? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would have to go running back because, yeah, um, yeah. I, I know folks are unsure about Danner and unsure about Chooks, but one thing I always like to try to keep as reassurance is that unit as an offensive line. Once Todd Haley and uh, Munchak were gone, things really went downhill because everyone knows I'm a, a certified Randy hater. Um, great coach or a great guy, but not a great coach rather. Yeah. Um, he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what he was doing. And uh, Sean Serrett, uh, one thing I give him credit for, his guys were always prepared for defensive looks, but they lacked the techniques and fundamentals and execution. Yeah. That's something that Mike Munchak obviously was very big on. Yeah. And I think that's something that Adrian Clem is going to kind of bring back. And I think Matt Canada is going to bring back that creativity and that emphasis on running the football yes. instead of just kind of, well, as Randy Featner would say, just let it be a fart and skillet and just let it bounce around, see what happens. Yep. Well so. said. Well said. With the wide receivers the Steelers picked up the last couple of weeks, do we think this will be a one of the odd years that they do not draft a wide receiver? No, I think it is very likely they will get somebody after the fifth round. Mm-hmm. And one guy I hope they get is Anthony Schwartz. Ooh, uh, nice. Because, of course, I'm biased. I'm an Auburn fan. But he's a guy that would fit perfectly into a Matt Canada offense, mm-hmm. especially with the jet sweep motion. He's just a fast guy. And uh, he's also just uh, for a track guy. You know, a lot of these guys that come to the NFL that are track guys, uh, they don't really become football players, if you will. They just be, kind of come skill players. Uh, Anthony Schwartz is a he, he's a baller. Yeah. He is uh, really surprising, uh, soft hands. Would like to see improvement in the uh, run block game. And I also think that playing under a Gus Malzahn offense didn't do him any favors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I still think regardless of who it is they'll pick one up in the late rounds. And Litos wants to know, how about some talk on mid-round cornerback targets for the Steelers? Do you have anybody that you think that Steelers were targeting? I think you actually did mention a, a slot corner later in the draft. Uh, there's a couple of guys out there uh, that I've seen mentioned. Hmm. Uh, there's one guy out of, I think Florida, not a Florida State. That's, that's, I'm thinking of, uh, what's his name? S- Samuels. He'll be gone by then for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, there's just uh, there's a lot of guys out there that fit that mid-round type of uh, type of fit. Uh, I guess lack for better words, if you will. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things. If I had to sit down do a mock draft and really chart it all out, I could probably identify a few guys. I think a lot of the availability there will be based on. Uh, what teams value in defensive backs this year, especially. Nice. So. Drink Iron City also wants to know how serious are the Steelers in the Jesse James adventure? Do you think he's a target or somebody that could be possibly picked up here in free agency? No, I think he kind of uh, burned that bridge. And while I agree with, while I totally agree with them, the Steelers were the Kardashians of the NFL yes, when he departed. Were. Um, that, that can be kind of something that, uh, while players have egos, coaches have egos too. And, um, that'll make one feel like, uh, they're being kind of slighted a little bit. Maybe if it wasn't so much intentional, when you look at the actual quote, it, some people will take a little out of context, but he did mean what he, he said, 
I really don't see him coming back, though. I just don't. Okay. And last question, I'm going back to Cooley Man because he, he's poking the, the, the bear here. Um, <laughs> do you like Fruity Beers like Striker, or are you not a little bitch? <laughs> um, actually, when I was able to drink alcohol, I thoroughly enjoyed Mike's Hard Lemonades, nice. and I also thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh, Apple Ciders. Uh, what are they called? Uh, yeah, ciders. Yeah, they're, they're just ciders. Uh, is there specific... hard, hard ciders? You mean? Yeah, there's a specific brand. I'm trying to think. Okay. Uh, I, I can't remember. Down your area, Bold Rocks I, yeah. one. You got Woodchuck. You got those are the big ones. I think they're Crispin, Strongbows yeah, out of remember. Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Angry Orchard. There we go. Oh, Angry, Angry Orchard. Yes. yes, yes, yes. That that's it. Yeah, I used to really like those. Um, I. Yeah, I don't know. I think I do like fruity beers a lot. Um, regular beers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're a striker on here. If <laughs> I would like something that tastes good. <laughs> yes, and, and that's the way I am. And just so you know, Cooley, I'm also drinking that Elegy right here. I mean, Adroit Theory made those fruity beers, and they make awesome beer. Like anything across the board. Their their IPAs are insane. They've got. They actually have deals with a couple bands. I think one is Slayer, one is Lamb of God, and they put their artwork on their beers and adjusted some of the artwork for their beers. So if you think that these heavy metal uh, MFers over at Adroit can't uh, can't enjoy a fruity beer now and then too, I mean, that's the <laughs> way I am, man, because all their stuff is delicious. And if I'm going to have one of their fruited sour gozes, I'm going to enjoy that as much as I do their hazy IPAs as much as their Belgian quads, as much as their Imperial stouts that they're awesome at as well. Uh, but it seems like everything they make is like over 8%, except for the the uh, fruited beers tend to be like the, 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 the sour goes as used to be or more around like 3%. And you can still have your faculties through the end of a podcast. I'm like now that I'm reaching the end of my beer and the end of the podcast uh, now. So <laughs> thank you very much, Steeler Nation, for the questions. Thank you very much, Kenny, one more time for chiming in. He thinks Banner's going to play out of his head this year. I'm 100% with you on those 100% as well. A uh, small little tidbit that I learned both researching uh, the, my interview for Banner and since we've talked twice, big friend of the show, um, Zach Banner's biological father is Lincoln Kennedy. And that is a very little known fact in all of Steeler nation and all of sports in general, because he doesn't really identify with his biological father. He has a family. He loves his family. He loves his father. He found out kind of by accident when he was um, uh, like early teens uh, digging around stuff in the attic and, and just figured out that his actual biological father was Lincoln Kennedy. So interesting that, an all pro offensive tackle, you know, did happen to provide the DNA for Zach Banner, um, which is interesting in itself. It's just has nothing to do with his family life, his life in general. And the, the fact that they, they really don't have a relationship other than a professional relationship. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think Banner, uh, one thing I will always respect him for is his work ethic because he was like, you know, 400 pounds, something like that. Yes. He got drafted. Yes. And he put in some work to lose that weight. Yeah. And if anyone has ever been through any kind of weight loss type of uh, uh, routine or goals, it's tough. It's tough, especially the work that he did. I respect him. And I'm a firm believer that if one works hard enough, they can achieve uh, 
what they desire. And I think that he's going to be a testament to that this year. And it was interesting when I interviewed him too, that was one of the first questions I asked. It's like, wow, how do you get up to 350, 360? And he's like, striker, I'm working my ass off not to be 420. <laughs> and I'm like, right. holy crap. It's like, I didn't even think of it that way because he is a large bodied individual from a large bodied family. And he works hard to stay athletic and keep his frame, you know, under 350 and it takes a lot Absolutely. of work for him to do so he's just a one of those freak large human beings that happens to play in the nfl so you know when we love him for it oh absolutely so thank you so much too joe for making it through your first podcast welcome absolutely. to the site and we love having you we're glad we got to to poach you from us from from that other site that we don't need to talk about anymore <laughs> but now that you're a part of steeler nation all of steeler nation can rejoice and enjoy seeing you especially follow you on twitter uh if you want to grab his handle it's at job morrison that's at j-o-b-e-m-o-r-r-i-s-o-n cheers so thank you so much for being on the show today joe I appreciate it. Hopefully I can join again soon. <laughs> Sweet. And Steeler Nation, be sure to listen to our Steeler Nation sisters on the Yinsers podcast on Thursday night at 9.30 Eastern time, where they are getting to interview Chris Warmly and his wife. So that's going to be a fun interview. I know I'm always running the chats and stuff uh, when that's going on. So be sure to come in, chime in and have a good time because they do an awesome job for Steeler Nation and, and provide interviews that, even I can't get, and I'm glad they do because it's, it's nice insight for all of Steeler Nation. Um, make sure to come on over to our website, SteelerNation.com, to read great articles by myself. So, and, of course, Job. Tweet us at Steeler Nation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast. And if you choose to, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at SN Striker. Striker spelled with a Y. Thank you again for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Job Morrison, rooting along with you, as always, <laughs> the Steelers! Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.